Without further ado, I do want to introduce our guest speaker, and uh, I want to thank his wife, Rochelle, for being here as well. And uh, so Greg and Rochelle Colgrove, wonderful people. Greg Colgrove is a U.S. missionary, and he ministers to the rural churches, and we have been a big part of that over the years. I've, I've seen the ministries that he has carried out. Uh, my son's church in Onaway, when Cameron was up there, he just did amazing things for that church and in that community, and I just want to thank you for doing that as well. So, Greg, would you come on up? He's got a great word for you. Love you. Have fun. Uh, well, thank you. He just said, have fun. And this is my happy place right here. This is. So uh, I feel like I got a, like a, uh, a cheering section uh, with all the girls here. That's like amazing and awesome. And uh, anybody that was here this weekend, we had an amazing, amazing time. And to be honest, I, I, I married really, really, really well. Uh, Rochelle's going to share, uh, have something to say during our message this morning, uh, but what an honor, honor to be here, and I will say this, uh, I, I travel, I'm in about 40 different churches every single year, I get to meet lots of pastors, lots of ministers and their mates, and I would say this uh, unequivocally, that you have one of the best, you have one of the best pastors. And Pastor Barb, we, we have just come to love and appreciate you through all these years and your family. So uh, somebody asked me some time ago, what's it like being married to a marriage therapist? Short answer is that when she got her credentials, uh, we all of a sudden had a perfect marriage. So, I mean, it's just how that, she tells me what to do and I just do it, right? Happy wife, happy life. But uh, there is one thing about this uh, being married uh, is that some of her lingo, it starts to like uh, get in my, in my system. Uh, you know, things like she'll, she'll tell me, I'll ask her at the end of the day because uh, she's, she's working with couples who are on the struggle bus or just need a little hand up and some of them that are recovering from uh, somebody had an affair in that, in that relationship and they're trying to put their marriage back together and uh, and she'll just tell me how, you know, I'll just say, how did your day go? And she said, man, and she uses words like narcissistic men. And I'm like, is there such a thing as a narcissistic woman? Well, I haven't seen them, you know, that. And if you don't know what a narcissist is, by the way, uh, some, some, sometimes you want to be, uh, have a narcissist in your life. For instance, if you get on an airplane, you want the uh, pilot to be a narcissist. Like, I'm going to get us there, and I'm going to get us on the ground. I want that. That guy is sure. I don't want, I think I can do this, right? You don't want that. And, uh, but then there's other people that are uh, OCD, and she just uses all these terminologies. So one, this has probably been five, six, seven years ago. I'm getting my hair cut. Gal sitting be, or standing behind me, cut my hair. Uh, there's an empty chair next to me, and this guy comes and he sits down. And gal's cutting his hair, and I ask him the dumb question, "How you doing?" Uh, because he he didn't give me the short answer. He goes into the long answer, right? Like uh, what you didn't ask for. And I find out that the guy is a marine biologist. And very much a fatalist, like the world's coming to an end through all of his observations. And he said the polar caps in Alaska have been melting so fast at such an alarming rate that it's just a matter of a few years before, uh, before Florida and Louisiana will be completely underwater. And I said, well, I'll, I'll miss Florida for sure. I'll miss Florida. Have you ever been to Louisiana? That's like a different country there, right? And if you're from Louisiana, I didn't mean anything bad. Thank you, Robin. I really didn't. It just came out, just one of those things. Uh, and, and then he said, in fact, in nature, he said, uh, we have seen uh, polar bears mating with black bears. And my, my, the person cut my hair said, gee, I wonder what you call those offspring. And I said, uh, bipolar. And I had like five. Like, I'm like, oh, sweet. The guy didn't say anything else. It was like, oh, I had the right answer at the right. So her lingo just starts getting into you, right? Uh, so, uh, so we are glad to be here. Uh, I, as a U.S. missionary, I get to see some amazing things as I get to, to invest 
in rural communities, pastors, uh, my short uh, description of what I do with Convoy of Hope. Anybody here ever heard of Convoy of Hope? Nothing like name dropping here. Uh, uh, my, my, my short uh, description of what I do is I help coach, train, mentor, and resource rural pastors, rural churches to get outside the four walls of their building and serve their community. We've been called to serve. One of the great stories, in fact, uh, uh, this, this really quick, uh, sometimes what I get to do is like, am, am I actually even working? I mean, I, I, it somewhat feels like that. Uh, there was a company that gave Convoy of Hope 80, 80 semi-loads. We're talking 4,500 uh, toys, brand new toys from a company on every one of those loads. 4,500 brand new toys, things like scooters and Nerf guns and, I mean, they're like top-notch stuff. And I got to find a home in rural communities for seven of those semi-loads. And uh, yeah, you just feel like this is pretty cool. And the stories that, and two of them were in Michigan, one in Upper Michigan, where I'm from. I'm a Uper, eh? I am a Uper, eh? And I uh, grew up in Manistique, Michigan. So don't, don't judge me by that, kind of like what Phil did. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's kind of like that. Uh, can anything good come out of Manistique? Well, uh, you, I'll let you judge that later. Um, but I got to find a home for them. I was doing a training in Minnesota a few years ago. A guy by the name of Pastor Dave was at that training. He was a former missionary, like to, I think, I believe it was in Africa. Uh, he had raised his funds, uh, went across the globe to tell people about Jesus. And now he uh, is, is in a rural community pastoring, trying to take all that he's learned from over here uh, to where he's at. And when I was talking about getting outside the four walls of your building, serving your community, and loving your community, and quit waiting for them to come to you, you go to them, the Lord just really convicted him. And he said, so, I mean, the Lord basically said to him, so you'll go halfway across the world to tell somebody about Jesus, but you won't go across the street to tell somebody about Jesus. And he said, oh my. And so he took kind of some of the product that we had, went to, uh, to a few places in town. One of them was to somebody who was uh, uh, kind of a, a firefighter. And he said, man, I would love to be a firefighter as he got to talking to this person. And the, the, the guy said, well, if you want to be on the team, I'll, I'll, hook, I'll set you up. I'll, I'll get you a meeting with our, with our chief. Uh, so next thing you know, he's in a meeting with, his, with the fire chief in town, and uh, the fire chief says, you know, we've been looking for a, uh, for a chaplain. And he said, well, I, 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 mean, I'll, I mean, if you don't have one, I'd be happy, but really, I, I really just want to put out fires with all the other guys. And he said, so you don't, he said, no, I'll, I'll he said, I don't want to go to school to be, get my chaplain thing. He said, nope, this is on-the-job training. So the next meeting they had, uh, Dave shows up, and uh, the, the, the chief is, is introducing him to all the rest of the volunteer firefighters, and uh, they all give each other nicknames on this fire, in this fire department, and uh, he, uh, the, 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 uh, the, chaplain, or the uh, chief said, this is uh, going to be our new chaplain, and somebody said, so do we call you chaplain, or can we call you Moses? And he said, well, if you call me chaplain, then you got to come to my church. And everybody said, well, then Moses it is, right? <laughs> Moses it is. So on these occasions, Dave said, uh, this happened almost like back-to-back uh, -back weekend type things. Uh, on one of them, uh, he, it was a Saturday night. He had to preach on Sunday morning. The call comes out. It's not until 4 o'clock in the morning until the fire department's done doing their job. They are exhausted, tired. And one of the guys on the crew said, um, uh, can I get a ride back to town with you? It's, uh, you know, I, I got a ride out here, and they already left. And he said, sure. And so on the way back, uh, the, the guy says, man, I'm going to bed. I don't know about you. And Dave says, no, I still got to work. I got to preach this morning. And the guy said, what are you preaching about? Dave gave him his entire sermon and in the car on the way home that day, that guy said, you know, I need to get right with God. And that guy got right with God on the way home, which was so cool. 
And, and Dave says, that story doesn't happen if I'm sitting in my church waiting for them to come to me. That story happens because I'm on the front lines in my community. And then he said, the call came out, there was a drowning of a young, uh, of a young person uh, at a, in a pool. And uh, the, the, the sheriff got to the scene first, and the sheriff had already taken the body out of the, out of the pool, was doing CPR when the fire department showed up. And the chief, they're all gathered around. It was kind of a mob. The people from neighbors, everybody in uh, that little community were kind of all gathered there. And the chief says to, to Dave, he says, Moses, do something with this crowd now. And Dave said, I don't know, but it just felt like the Holy Spirit came on me. He said, and I yelled out and said, everybody, to the front yard, we're getting on our knees, and we're going to pray. Saved and unsaved that day, got in the front yard, got on their faces, and if an unsaved person can uh, hear, uh, uh, catch the ear of God, they must of that day, because as they began to pray, on the way to the hospital, the child had a pulse. And the child basically, uh, two days later, they, they, they declared the child with absolutely no brain trauma, declared dead at one time, God did a miracle, and God did some cool things. And Dave says that story doesn't happen. Those are the stories that I get to be a part of in challenging the body of Christ to get outside the four walls and go and make a difference and get involved in somebody's life. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 17. Those of you who were not at the marriage retreat yesterday, there are going to be a few points in this message that are going to reflect some of the tools that we gave to couples yesterday. And uh, you'll, I'll point them out so you won't have to guess what they were if you were at the uh, retreat yesterday. Uh, the scripture I want to read is from the, the, the story of the transfiguration. To be honest, this is a portion of scripture. I don't know if you've ever been on a journey with God before, and like you just get stuck in a portion of scripture, and everything you see in life all of a sudden reflects that scripture, and things just come alive for you. But this would be that scripture for me, my journey right now. And uh, if you would, would you turn, uh, can, I'll, I'll just read that, those scriptures. Uh, the Bible says this, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter blurted out, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as, mem as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Can we all say this next little, these next three words together? Ready? Listen to him. Ready? Listen to him. The disciples were terrified, fell, on, fell, fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them, and the words that he said, God said, listen to him. These are the words he said immediately after. Everybody say, get up. Get up. He said, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. And when they looked, they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone about this till you've seen the Son of Man raised from the dead. Father, I pray today, God, that you would anoint this word, bring it home to our hearts and to our lives. Let it change us, God, literally from the inside out so that we become a reflection to the rest of the world of Jesus living in us. And I pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Heard a great story uh, not very long ago about a Bible college instructor who uh, gave, the, gave uh, uh, an, uh, an assignment to his class. He, he pulled out a portion of Scripture. It could have been this Scripture, something like this. And he said uh, to these uh, future pastors, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to, to find at least 20 subjects that you could preach about out of this little Scripture right here. 20 points, 20 things that, that you see in that. 
And he said, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. He pushed the button, the clock started, and they started uh, as a class just putting those things down. I see, and I see, and oh, this would be an idea. And they struggled with the last like five as the time was winding down. With a few seconds to left, they came up with the very last one, high-fived each other and said, we did it. The instructor said, okay, that was wonderful and great. You did a great job. Now I'm going to set it for 20 minutes, and you have to come up with 20 more things out of that same scripture. And they all went, oh. When he hit the button, they started, and one by one, they clicked them off. And before the buzzer went off, they had come up with 20 more. The instructor said the, the purpose of this assignment was this. The Word of God is so rich and so full and you can look at it one day and not see something, and you're at a different place in life, and you see something else, and it just comes alive to you wherever you are in your life. The Word of God wants to, wants to just reach into your life and say, this, I'm speaking to you. This morning, I could have done that even with this scripture as assignment for you, but, the, but just to pick off a few easy ones, just like easy things, just to see from this scripture alone. I, I'm going to pick out a few, but they're not going to be my, my text. This is just intro, okay? But it won't be long. The first thing that I see is, uh, if you've ever noticed or, or even compared a scripture to another scripture, this would be one of those, the Mount of Transfiguration is what it's called. You could compare that to the Mount Calvary, Mount Calvary. The, the differences here are staggering because they're exact opposite. On one, you have uh, Jesus is flanked by Moses and Elijah. At Calvary, Jesus is flanked by two criminals. At Calvary, uh, at, on the Mount of Transfiguration, God speaks. On Calvary, God is silent. Here, there's a bright cloud. There, there's darkness. Here, there is his, his clothes are white and they illuminate. There, they've stripped him and rip, ripped his, and he has, he's naked, no clothes, divided up. And there are several other uh, little things. The point that I want to make with that that would be a great sermon that I don't have time to preach would be this. In your life, there are times when you feel like you're on a mountain, and there are other times in your life when you feel like you are in a major valley. And you can feel like you're not in the will of God. In both of those stories, Jesus was in the will of God. You're going to have highs, you're going to have lows, and in every single one of them, the voice of God wants to say something to you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to, 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 to just go, Okay, God, you're in control. There is a plan going on here. No matter what you're going through, the high or the low, God is in control. Amen? Second piece that I could point out, I don't have time. Why Moses and Elijah? Why wasn't it Job and somebody else, David? Why was it these two? right? And how did they even know that that was Moses and Elijah? It's not like they had Facebook profiles or anything you could turn to, right? Uh, why these two? Well, the simple answer is this. Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. In other words, sitting before Jesus was the entire Old Testament. Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament and to show that there, Jesus is the beginning and the end and everything in between. Kind of a cool little thing right there, right? Just kind of a cool little thing. I could go into as well. The, the, the fact that Peter is on this mountain and he sees this whole thing go down and he feels like he has to do something. Can I say this, that if you're ever in the presence of God, just be quiet. Don't feel like you have to do a thing and just listen to God, right? We sometimes think that we get elevated by God by what we do and God says, no, it's not what you do. I just want to be with, with, with you today. Just observe, sit back. But what I want to really point out in this scripture is these words. The voice that came out of heaven. This is my beloved son, as one uh, portion said, one, one uh, translation says. This is my, in whom I am well pleased. Here it says, in whom I find much joy. But the words, listen to him. Listen to him. How many of you struggle to listen Oh man, that's a big portion. Do you know that all of the, most of the, uh, most of the, the biblical, the, the Bible's uh, uh, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the disciplines of the Christian lifestyle are all designed for you to listen. Reading the Word of God, praying, being in church, worshiping, uh, fasting, all of those are all set up so that we take time to actually listen to God, listen to Him, right? Um, I, I just want to tell this little story, my own personal life, because as, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm totally on a journey, and I love the journey God has me on. I am not the same person today that I was 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, it was Muhammad Ali that said this. He said, if you're the same person 20 years from now that you are today, you just wasted 20 years of your life, right? Uh, but the fact is, is I'm not the same person, and part of it has to do with this whole journey of being a better listener, just honestly just listening to people. Um, I thought it was, uh, when it comes to listening to God, I love this, Dan Rather years ago interviewed Mother Teresa. And he, said, he asked Mother Teresa in his interview, he said, so when you speak to God, what do you say? And Mother Teresa said, oh, I don't say anything, I just listen. And they said, so when you listen, what does God say to you? And she said, well, to be honest, he doesn't have to say anything, he just listens to me. And that was, his, that, was, that was the whole piece on, on listen. And, he went, and then she said, and if I have to explain that to you, uh, you wouldn't get it anyway. You wouldn't understand it anyway. It's that whole piece of listening. I, um, I, I, just my real brief uh, testimony. Uh, growing up in Upper Michigan, my dad was a bona fide alcoholic growing, uh, as I was growing up. And at 12 years old, my, my grandma, grandpa, they were, alcohol was a huge deal. Like, I mean, if all the cousins, aunts, uncles all showed up, it was just a beer fest. And my mom, a good moral person, uh, spiritually, she told us that we were Catholics, but that was only, I think, just so that we could be polite, so that if the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons showed up at our door, we could say, no, thank you, we're Catholic. It really, it really meant nothing. It really did. We didn't go to mass or anything. Uh, Twelve years old, my grandpa ended up passing away, and uh, my grandma was looking for answers. And just to describe my grandma for a second, she's 65 years old. She has been hell bent on life, uh, been in the bars. My grandma could could make uh, sailors blush with her language. Uh, she was just a tough lady. If a man made a pass at her in the bar, there are stories out, her, uh, out there of her having like laid them out like with her fist, and on one occasion taking a pool cue stick and busting over, like knocking him out, right? And when other kids would say, my dad could beat your dad up, I never said that. I always said, my grandma could beat your dad up, right? That was, our, that was my story. That was my grandma. When my grandpa passed away, my grandma was looking for answers and a lady, uh, Viney LaRose, invited her to go to church with her. And she said, why would I go to church? You know, I mean, I haven't. And Viney said, well, uh, this might interest you. It's uh, There's a brand new Assembly of God church that used to be a bar that got converted into a church. I mean, like that story. Need a few more of those, right? And my grandma's like, I know that building. I, I want to go check that out. A couple weeks into that little journey, my grandma gave her life to Jesus Christ, was gloriously changed. I mean, every piece about her changed. Like, uh, and 34 years later, she went to heaven, but left a legacy because two weeks later, after, after her conversion, she invited my brother and I to go to church with her. We were like, no, and my parents are like, get them out of the house, take them, get them out. And my brother and I lo loaded up into her little Grand Torino. How many remember that little vehicle, right? And man, I like that. And uh, on the way I, 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 to church 25 miles away, three weeks into that little experience, the pastor was preaching about hell and said, if you don't want to go to hell, this was his altar call. If you don't want to go to hell, raise your hand. And I raised my hand. He said, now stand up. I'm like, that wasn't part of the deal. I read, stand up, come forward. I ended up going forward to that altar like for the next like 158 weeks straight because I didn't want to take any chances. I could tell you this, that I would not be standing here if 
fear had, had been the only message I ever heard because fear will only keep you for a while. When I discovered God's love for my life, it changed everything. Fear will keep you for a while. Love will keep you for an eternity. And that's the first, that's where we're at today. Discovering the love of God. Now, I tell you that old story because at 16 years old, my dad was in a one-car accident, drunk driving. He actually hit a bridge, got out of the vehicle, slipped down an embankment, and drowned. And to be honest, it was a point in my life I was like, well, there went all of my problems. And I can tell you this, that I am standing here today because a church loved me well. I had nothing to offer that church, nothing. I came in with poverty. They, they always had to raise money for me to go to youth camps and conventions. I offered them nothing, but they gave me so much. They showed me the love of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, the compassion of God. I saw that in God through God's people. And I am a product of the living God for that today. And I could say this as well in this whole piece is that for the next whole bunch of years, there's a lot in my calling. God, God used the military to, to really uh, bring me in and help me to, I, I'm, I'm here today because God called me while I was in the military. And that's a cool story in and of itself. Through Bible college, I, I, I found my wife there and uh, a year after, the, the, we, we, got, we graduated in uh, May of 1986 and at the end of May, we were married. And off we went, been 37 years of ministry that we have done, which is cool. And through the years, through the years, the reason I'm telling you this story is because through the years, I could rail against alcohol, rail against it, tell you every reason why it's wrong, why it's not right, give you the scriptures from Proverbs, and I could give you all those things. And at the end, you couldn't argue with me because in the end, I could say it destroyed my family. My kids and my grandkids will never get to know my dad because, he, he, because of what alcohol did to him. I'm in a class about three years ago at James River, that little church in Springfield, Missouri, and I'm facilitating a class called Living Free, which is just like Celebrate Recovery. Exactly the same, only different. And uh, that's a great phrase, by the way. I love that phrase. That's my favorite phrase. Exactly the same, only different. And, uh, and I'm facilitating it, and we're, we're, we're letting everybody tell their story around that, that, around that table. And uh, an African-American lady's telling her story. She must have been in her mid-40s or so. It was a horrific story, a story of abuse, neglect, and how's it, uh, I mean, uh, just horrible. And at some point, she ended up uh, doing drugs just to escape her own uh, pain and those types of things. And, and as, as she's telling her story, I'm looking around the table, there's nobody without tears coming down their face. At the end of that, I said to her, so let me get this right. Somebody hurt you, and you took it out on... And that's when it dawned on her, and she started bawling. I took it out on me. I took it out on me. As I'm leaving church that night, I'm on my way home, and I'm having this conversation with God. And it dawned on me that there's not a single person that you and I will meet eyes with that do not have pain in their life. We all have pain. We all have to do something with our pain. All of us have to do something with the pain. Some people choose to do drugs and alcohol. Some people choose to numb out on food, Hallmark movies. Some people choose to numb out on ESPN. Some people choose, uh, you can even choose God or the church to numb out all of your pains. You can choose that. And it was at that point that for the first time in my life, first time in my saved life, I asked the question, I wonder what my dad's pain was. Called my mom, and I'm like, Mom, tell me a little bit about just dad's story. And she told me several things that I, I knew some of those things. And I knew that my dad was born with a birthmark across his face, but I didn't realize the, the effect that it had on him. 
Because uh, when, he, when he joined the military, he, he paid to have it surgically removed. So I never knew him with that birthmark. But she told me how that when he was young, he would be out in public with his dad, my grandpa. And my grandpa always introduced his son, my dad, as the little freak. That's how he was known everywhere, is as the little freak. She told me several other little uh, stories like that. And as I got off the phone that day, I just started repenting, saying, God, forgive me for being so judgmental towards my dad and not curious. Curious. Everybody say curious. Everybody say judgmental. That day what I learned is that Jesus Christ in my life does not make me better than you. Jesus Christ in my life makes me better than me only makes me better than me, okay? I want you to know this, that God the Father sees you. And if those words could come out again, you were made in God's incredible image. Everyone in this building, red and yellow, black and white, precious, all of us precious in his sight. It is not my judgment job to judge you. It's my job to be curious because we all have a story. And if God's voice could boom to our world today, it would boom out with this. This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Don't judge. Listen. Listen to their story. Listen. Listen. That is going to be your charge as you go out of here today is to listen to somebody's story. It might be at the restaurant today. It might be at work today. Tomorrow it might be your boss. It might be your mom, your dad. It's easy to be judgmental. Or we can be curious and go, how did we get here? How did we get here? Before I can ever speak into somebody else's life, may I lead with my ears and not with my tongue. Second piece is, notice what Jesus said to the disciples. Get up. Get up. Oh, I'm supposed to operate this. I, hey, good job back there. Good job back there. How many appreciate the people in the sound booth? I appreciate them. I, I, I was in a church in Iowa. This is off the subject, but I got to lighten the mood just a second. I was in a, I, I, they gave me one of these, and I, and I was, you know, and I was like doing this every time I needed it, and, and, I was, and it was my, my device. And, uh, and I, at the end of the service, I went back to them. I said, man, that really worked nice. I'm glad that that, and they said, no, it didn't work at all. Every time we saw you do this, we flipped it for you. I'm like, so I appreciate people in the back booth, right? <clears throat> Get up. I think this is interesting because I, what I've seen is that there's a lot of people today that God has done something in your life, but you are still living in bondage. He's forgiven you of your sins, but what God would say to you today is it's time to quit being, having self-pity. It is time to quit living in fear. It is quit time to, to quit, uh, to get, it's time to get over your addictions. It's time to quit living in shame. It is time to get up. I'm going to ask my wife to come up. This is the therapist that can give us all the good ways to get up. Oh, I'm working on it myself all the time. I just, oh, man, the Lord has been working on me all service. I'm so teary. I can barely talk. When I look at this picture, what do you notice about this picture? Is the guy getting up by himself? No. And if you're struggling with an addiction, whatever that might look like, whatever that might be too, alcohol, drugs, pornography, um, all the things, if you could get free by yourself, you would already be free. If you could criticize yourself into being a better human, you would already be a better human. I mean, some of us, the way we talk to ourselves is awful. It's terrible. We're not curious at all. We're just like, I'm terrible. I'm awful. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do better? That's not going to help you. What's going to help you is to get a hand from someone and let them help you up. And today is the day to do that. 
today's the day to do that. I had a client in my office last last week when Greg asked me, Greg asked me this morning to talk about this, and I was like, oh. Last week, I had a client who said to me, they said, I sat in church, and I'd pray, and I'd come to the altar, and I would repent, and I'd say, God, I'm never going to do that again. And before the next Sunday, they would do it again. And they'd come to the altar, and they'd pray, and they'd be like, God, forgive me. They were sincere. They loved Jesus. And they were addicted. And the reason they were addicted is because they, they did it alone. They thought that someday Jesus was just going to deliver them with no one knowing, without having to talk to anybody, without having to get help, without actually having to make a move forward. So there's a couple of things I want to say. There's a, I don't know in your community what is in your community, but most communities have some kind of recovery program, celebrate recovery, living free. Um, If you're struggling with sex addiction, there's some great places. There's a place in Minnesota called Faithful and True that is an amazing place to go. There there are online, there are a couple of spots online that are great. One is called sexualintimacy.com where you can go and you can get in a group where you can get help, where you can learn and you can actually, she's, Julie Slattery Slattery is one of the most godly women that I know, and she runs that website, um, sexualdiscipleship.com. The other one's called authenticintimacy.com. And I'm giving you these resources this morning, and you can catch me after church, and I'll give them to you individually, because I want the body of Christ to rise up and to live in the authority of Jesus Christ. And I'm never going to live in the authority of Jesus Christ if I'm dealing with unresolved sin. If I have unresolved sin in my life, I will never walk in authority. But when I, when I am free, I can walk in authority. And I'll tell you, during those songs this morning, I just want you to know this morning, God is going to set people free. God is going to heal some of you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Today is a day of deliverance. Do not leave without coming to the altar and saying, God, today is my day of deliverance. And if you need to tell someone today, today in this service, hey, I am struggling with addiction, let's get free. Let's rise up and actually be the men and women that God has created us to be free, free and full of joy and full of excitement and doing kingdom work because it is fun. Most of you didn't get to meet me over the weekend, but I love fun. I love adventure, I love to rock climb, I love to hike, I love to kayak. The Christian life is the most fun thing ever when we don't live it in secret, but we live bold and we live with authority. Yeah, good word, good word. Yeah, thank you. I, I put the fun in dysfunction, that's, what, that's for me. Two last little thoughts on that point. One is, I love this. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, that God has given through Moses instructions. You have walked around. You have camped around this, this mountain long enough. It's time to be a conqueror. It is time to take the land. It is time to, we're not living in self-pity any longer. The other little point that I wanted to make in that, we were in Israel a few years ago, and our tour guide, uh, who was Jewish, gave us this little piece. We were standing there uh, where David supposedly killed Goliath. It's a pretty cool place to stand. And then he said this, in Jewish culture, everyone knows that David was a man of charisma, but Samson had no charisma. No charisma. And he just left it at that. Get back on the bus. And I'm like, okay, Ofer, you got to break that down for me. Tell me what that means. And he said, well, if you look in Scripture, every time you saw Samson, everything Samson did, he did alone. He fought giant. He fought uh, the Philistines. He tied foxes' tails together. He, he, I mean, he did every, and he died alone. Look at David. Everywhere David went, people came out to him, and his one failure in life happened when he was alone, when he was alone. 
Just an interesting piece, right? So some of you, you just needed to hear that today. You don't do life alone. Third piece is do not be afraid. Oh, I could, that was the next words that Jesus told the disciples. Do not be afraid. You know that those words or something to that effect are said in Scripture 365 times. How many times, how many days are there in a year? And how many of you have discovered that at every stage of life there's new devils? New devils, right? New levels, new devils. There's new things to be afraid of. I just turned 60. I have never been afraid of like some things. Like, is my health going ha- to hold out? I've just thought that I'm invincible, right? And now I'm like, man, that hurts and it's not getting better anymore, right? This getting older thing is not for wimpy people, right? That's what I know. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so every stage of life, there's new, there's new, uh, there's new things uh, to have fear. When I was young, I was wondering, will any girl ever even like me? That was my fear, right? Uh, will I get married before the rapture happens? I sure hope so, right? You got all those things you fear. And then as you're a young adult, do I have money for the kids? Will I be a good parent? There's all kinds of fears. And, and some of you uh, maybe are even at a stage in life where you're watching a whole lot of, a lot of uh, too much TV. Uh, how many of you know the news does not portray good news? I mean, it's not good. It's all like, and, and man, the news can just send you into a tailspin real quick. So even as I, even as I say this, uh, if you were to back up in Scripture a few chapters to chapter 14 in Matthew, you find the story of Jesus walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, let me come out and walk. And Jesus said, come. Je- Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water. But he starts to sink when? When he sees the waves and he has fear. There's a reciprocating relationship between fear and faith. Have you ever noticed that when fear is high, faith is low? When faith is high, fear is low. I'll just give you a few because some of you are here today where you're saying, because fear is saying one thing, and I want you to know that faith says something else. The news says be fearful because there might not be a tomorrow we're going to, and faith says God has everything under control. Fear says that your wayward child is going to die and not spend eternity in heaven. Jesus says, God, the word of God says, my word will not return void. It will accomplish what it set out to do. Do not stop praying. Do not stop getting on your face before God for your child and believe, believe, believe that God is going to touch that child. Fear says that your health is not going to hold up. Faith says, my God takes care of of me. And no matter how many days I have on this earth, that's what God has ordained. Uh, It's going to be okay, whatever happens. Fear says that your finances aren't going to hold out. There won't be enough. Faith says, my God shall supply all my needs, all my needs, according to his uh, riches in glory. Fear says that your marriage isn't going to make it. Faith says, I'm going to continue to do right and do my part and believe God for the rest, and I could go on with this whole thing, right? Fear and faith. Some of you today, I love this last little piece, because in verse 8, verse 8 of this scripture we just read, the Bible says this, that when the disciples opened their eyes, they didn't see Moses or Elijah anymore, all they saw was the face of Jesus. Did you get that? Did you get that? Because this is what I know. Perfect love casts out all fear. Who is perfect love? Jesus Christ. He is the perfect love. Some of you, before you leave this place today, you're going to want to get on your face before God with your fear. The fear that I can't, that I won't, that it hate, that whatever the fear is, we all have them. Some of you need to get on your face before God and not get off your face Until when you open your eyes, all you see, all you see, all you see is Jesus, is Jesus. Then the last part that I'm going to conclude with 
is I love this. It's almost like comical. How many of you have ever been told uh, a secret and the person telling it to you said, don't tell anybody? And let's just say it was good news, okay? It was good news, right? And you can't tell anybody. How many of you have ever, like, struggled with that, like, all get out with the news? Like, you know something, you can't tell anybody. That's what happens in this story, right? They just saw like this incredible peace and Jesus looks at the disciples and says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody until I've risen from the dead. And we don't know what the timeline was between this event, let's just say a year and a half. And they're sitting on this story for a year and a half and can't tell anybody, right? Can't tell anybody. And, and what I love about that piece too, and, and I don't know, in my mind I'm thinking uh, maybe they were in the upper room. Jesus had risen from the dead. And Peter and James and John looked at each other and said, today is the day. We're going to tell that story today. You guys ready for a great story? Here it is. It makes sense today. But what I love is that Jesus basically said, look, I'm going to leave the planet. And you're going to want to be telling stories about me later. And the question then becomes for every one of us, you're not going to be here forever. What stories are they going to tell about you? What stories are they going to tell about you? And the point being, leave them talking. But leave them talking about something cool. Do you remember when mom and dad, man, we could always count on mom's biscuits. We could always count on dad's jokes. We could always count on you to fill in the blank. But what I loved and appreciated about mom and dad more than anything is they lived what they talked about. They were the real deal. Leave them talking like that. Uh, it's Veterans Day weekend, and I hope this video works, uh, but we're, I want to show a little video that, that really demonstrates this well. Uh, how many veterans do we have in the, in the building today? I just want to, yeah, I just, I just want to say thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. This is a little tribute, really, to all of our veterans. I hope. This old man here. <laughs> 100 bottles of pop on the wall. It helps us see what could be it's beyond what is. It's a coming. One question can rewrite tomorrow. Nine-year-old Miles Eckert may be America's most reluctant celebrity. It was never his intention to be You're honored there. at civic events. We just got to match them up now. We had the video earlier, no words. Now we got more. words. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Things are I do have a great story right on this. If right you want me to keep talking, I, 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 I'm appreciating the, the, I mean, the, the people in the back. Like I was asked a few years ago, this has probably been 10, 12 years ago, I was asked to, um, and if this comes up, then I'm not, I'm going to quit telling the story. But I was asked to speak at this church, and when I got there, pastor said, man, I almost told you not to come. He said, we had a church split this week. And he said, but I'm so mad at the people that are here, so good luck. He said that all the musicians and everybody left. I said, well, are we doing worship this morning? He said, yeah, there's a guy in our church says he can do YouTube videos, and we're going to worship to YouTube videos. I'm like, okay, that'll work. I mean, that's, that's good stuff out there. Well, oh, we're up. Okay, I'll, can I finish the story? All right. So it's because you're already in. I said, so the guy, but the guy didn't know how to take out any of the commercials. I am not making this up. In church that morning, we listened to three Viagra commercials. Three. <laughs> Took it as a sign from God, prayed for some guy named Ed. I wasn't sure what that was about, but this is, this is great. So here we go. Old Miles Eckert may be America's most reluctant celebrity. It was never his intention to be honored at civic events or posed for pictures. But for the last month, this has been his world. Thank you so much. Things are not so normal right now. We're on the right of our lives. <laughs> Tiffany is Miles' mom. I mean, I've seen stuff go viral, but usually it's like a picture of a cat, not my son. It's the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. If you missed the story that started it all, Miles' adventure began here at a Cracker Barrel in Maumee, Ohio. As the security camera shows, Miles and his family entered the restaurant on February 7th at 11.14. Miles was very excited. He just found a $20 bill in the parking lot. 
just sitting there? Yeah. Did you start thinking of what you could spend it on? Uh, I kind of wanted to get a video game, but then I decided not to. He changed his mind when he saw a guy in a military uniform enter the restaurant. Because he was a soldier, and soldiers remind me of my dad. And so, with his dad in mind, Miles wrapped the 20 in a note that read, Dear Soldier, my dad was a soldier. He's in heaven now. I found this $20 in the parking lot when we got here. We like to pay it forward in my family. It's your lucky day. Thank you for your service. Signed, Miles Eckert, a Gold Star Kid. Army Sergeant Andy Eckert was killed in Iraq just five weeks after Miles was born. All the kid has ever had are pictures and dog tags. This is his wedding ring. Other people's memories and his own imagination. I imagined him as a really nice person and somebody that would be really fun. <laughs> the dad he imagines must also love a good story. Because after lunch that day, Miles asked his mom to make one more stop. He wanted to go see his dad, and he wanted to go by himself that day. She took this picture from the car. Follow the footsteps, and you'll see Miles standing there behind the flag, presumably telling his dad all about it. And whether heaven heard him or not, his good deed has made a huge impression here on Earth. You've read it more than once? I look at it every day. Lieutenant Colonel Frank Daly of the Air National Guard is the one who got the note kid gave you a bigger gift than $20. Uh, a lifetime uh, uh, direction, for sure. Lieutenant Colonel Daly paid it forward by giving away the money. And that 20 has been multiplying ever since. It's exponential. It's extraordinary. It's amazing. After our story aired, a lot of people wanted to give Miles his $20 back. Right. But instead of taking any money, Ready? the Eckerts directed those donations to Snowball Express, a charity that helps kids who've lost a parent to war. So far, donations total more than a quarter of a million dollars. Somebody would be very proud. Thank you for serving our country. Could you stand with me this morning as we, as we just give a call to, to action this morning? I'm not going to re-preach my whole message, just point out a few points. But this morning, maybe you've struggled with being judgmental instead of curious. Maybe you've felt that judgment. Maybe that's just a piece that God wants to work on your life. If that's you, I would love for you not to leave this place until you've talked that over with God and heard God speak into your life. Maybe you're that person this morning who just has felt uh, like you can't get over that addiction this morning, you're like, God, before I leave this place, I want to have a plan in motion, something, God, that I want to have complete victory over. Maybe you're that person today that has struggled with fear. Man, I mean, you've gotten news, and to be honest, there's reason for fear. I mean, it's legit. But today, before you leave this place, I want you to see no one but Jesus. No one. Don't get up. Don't leave until you've seen nothing but Jesus. And maybe you're the person today that you go, you know what, if I died today, I'm not sure what kind of stories they'd be telling about me, but I want to make that, I want to have a different outcome in my life. I want to start planting those seeds that people will say, that was a man, that was a woman of God. And maybe you're that person here today, you personally do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And man, the Lord has honestly just been touching you and just going, hey, this is your day this is your day. You're sitting here today and you're going, I, I don't know that I have a whole lot of hope. Jesus Christ is your hope. He is your hope. He is your sustainer. I am glad that I do not walk through this world alone. I have a Savior that I accepted into my life some 48 years ago. And if I were to ask this crowd today, how many of you would say that the greatest decision you ever made in your life was the day you gave your life to Christ? How many of you would lift your hand? Some of you got two hands up in the air. You know what? My guess is those same people, you could say, yeah, I have regrets in life. That's not one of them. And the, lot, the devil would lie to somebody and say, if you ask Jesus into your life, you're going to regret that. No, you will regret not, not giving your life to Christ. And so today, 
if that's you and you just need to make a, get right with God, I don't want you to leave this place today until you've spoken to God himself and just said some simple prayer. God, it's me. I need you today. I've messed up a few times. I can't do this alone anymore. That's your prayer. This morning, the altars are open. And if you'd like to come and just find a place before God and just take care of a few things, I invite you to come today. And let's just, just, let's just go and seek the face of God. We don't want to interrupt what the Lord's doing up here. I do want to say if if you're inclined, as Brother Greg is a missionary, uh, we didn't plan on doing this, but if you would like to give to his ministry, you can make it out to our church and just put in the notation, Greg Colgrove or uh, U.S. Mission or whatever, and we'll make sure that it gets to him. 
Could I have an usher standing up there with a bucket or a be, uh, bu whatever? So you can put it in there on your way out. If, if it's cash, put it in an envelope and just put on there. Uh, U.S. Missionary or Greg Colgrove, and we'll make sure that gets to him. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and close this service. Father, we thank you again for this beautiful couple from Springfield. Lord, they have blessed our socks off this weekend. They've invested in our church, in this people. And we pray just a special, a supernatural touch on them, a, just a blessing beyond measure, Lord. Whether it's in Rochelle's ministry or Greg's, Lord, just multiply it back to them, 30, 60, 100-fold. And Lord, we pray for those who are able to give, who have a heart to plant seed into their ministry. Bless them. Keep everybody safe and they're coming and then they're going. And Lord, thank you again for the veterans. Thank you for those who've given their lives for this country. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.